Hello all, good to be here, good to be. FedgeCast. Coming at you with FedgeCast 83. FedgeCast. A full menu from first to last. FedgeCast. Yes, we are back in June with the first of three VegCasts for June this time around. We're going to be taking an in-depth look at a study we mentioned back on VegCast 78 by Dr. Amy Fitzgerald of the University of Windsor. This had to do with slaughterhouses being uh, located, situated in different counties and how those counties' uh, crime rates seem to be affected by the, the existence of slaughterhouses there and uh, the existence of slaughterhouse workers there. We're going to be going into that with her. We're also going to hear a new track of music from the traveling vegetarian. Uh, that's Yvonne Smith. We'll be spinning that for you. And we've also got a science fact that's uh, somewhat complementary to the Slaughterhouse study. This one just came out uh, at the end of last month and has to do with uh, vegetarians and vegans having apparently a uh, higher empathy rate, an ability to empathize that is higher than the norm among uh, regular people. So we'll be looking at that too, and all that's going to be coming up. So I encourage you now to sit back as always, relax, and crank up your MP3 play as we deliver to you this 83rd Okay, VegCast 83 is brought to you by LightLife, makers of smart dogs, smart ground, and more. Visit them at lightlife.com. Veggie goodness for you and the planet. And speaking of the planet, that is one of the non-traditional areas of concern in a new emerging discipline called green criminology, which we're going to learn about in speaking with Amy Fitzgerald, which we're going to do right now. Okay, right now on VegCast, we are pleased to welcome Dr. Amy Fitzgerald of the University of Windsor. Dr. Fitzgerald, thanks for being on VegCast. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And we wanted specifically to follow up on uh, a study that you did that uh, we reported on a few podcasts ago in our Science Fact uh, about uh, looking for a jungle effect after uh, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle and the question of whether uh, slaughterhouses being situated, situated in communities actually had any kind of effect on the, uh, the rate of, of violent crime uh, in those communities. Uh, before we get into the details of that report, uh, can you explain what, what exactly your course of study uh, is there at the University of Windsor that, uh, I, I mean, the area of study that, uh, that you're working within? Uh, well, I teach in the criminology program at the University of Windsor, and my area of specialization is in green criminology, so examining harms against the environment and harms against animals. Okay. And is it, I mean, is it tough to make the case, because a lot of law uh, has to do with, you know, people on people <laughs> kind of crime, and you're, you're basically carving out kind of a, a new area here where the crime is, is being seen to apply on a, on a what some people might think of as a more intangible basis to the environment, to 
uh, people who are not seen as agents previously in, in legal situations. Is that, uh, is that something new, or is that, is that something that I just haven't been uh, aware of? Well, it's, it's a relatively new area uh, of specialization, and it's, it's definitely growing as more people become concerned about the damage we're inflicting on the environment and the, the damage uh, we're inflicting on animals. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, sometimes people are interested in it solely because um, they're interested in the effects that this is having on people. Um, but um, green criminology tends to be more of a, a critical examination. So also takes seriously the, um, the the harms perpetrated against the environment and animals and what they mean for the environment and the animals and not just what it means for, for us humans. And uh, you've, this is obviously uh, not the first study you've done in this area. Can you just uh, acquaint us with uh, any other relevant uh, either studies or trends within the, the green uh, criminology area? Sure. Uh, I've also done some research on the relationship between animal abuse and intimate partner violence and examining how and why those, uh, those forms of abuse are, are connected. Uh, I've also done some uh, more conceptual work looking at sport hunting and, um, and specifically looking at the, the gender relations in sport hunting. So those are those are some of the areas that uh, that I've I've been focusing on recently. Okay, and we'll uh, try to point people uh, to those as well in our show notes. But uh, as to this uh, particular, this latest study, uh, or at least uh, the latest one that we've been talking about, um, it is one where uh, there is a, a kind of a harm apparently being done, obviously to animals, uh, and perhaps a more intangible harm done to the the fabric of the community but then you bring that back around to uh, quantifiable uh, harms actually being coming back to people um, and can you just uh, briefly summarize uh, for our listeners what the the concept of the study was sure uh, well I was interested in conducting this study because I was doing some reading and came across some uh, community studies that have been conducted in the past in slaughterhouse communities uh, where large slaughterhouses had opened up because there's been a, a shift uh, in the past several decades in animal slaughtering from large urban locations to more rural locations in the United States. So the community studies found uh, that these communities were experiencing a variety of consequences some of them were straightforward, uh, like a shortage of housing. It was pretty easy to explain because of the influx in people. But one of the things that these studies mentioned, but they, um, they didn't really have the data to, um, to follow up on, was that crimes in these communities seemed to be increasing. And they, um, they theorized some possible explanations for that, such as the influx in population, changing demographic in, in the community, um, changing poverty levels, etc. So as I was reading that, I was thinking, well, they really haven't thought about the possibility that there might be something about the type of work that goes on in slaughterhouses that might be uh, able to explain at least some of these increases. 
So the study that um, that I did with uh, my colleagues Linda Kaloff and Tom Dietz at Michigan State University uh, controlled for all of those variables that the earlier um, researchers had hypothesized. And uh, what we found was that even when we controlled for all of those variables, which tend to be fairly good um, uh, explanatory uh, variables related to, to crime more generally, we found that they didn't explain what was going on in these the slaughterhouse communities. So there was a statistically significant relationship between slaughterhouse employment levels and crime rates, specifically violent crime rates, uh, in these communities, even when we controlled for all of those other variables. And we also compared the slaughterhouse employment levels to employment in other industries that are similar to animal slaughtering, mm-hmm. um, that are you know, that involve um, high incidence of illness and injury, and um, also employ large numbers of um, immigrant workers. And um, we found that those those comparison industries didn't have the same effect that the animal slaughtering industries did. Okay. Well, let me. Uh, was this only something having to do with the kind of assembly line aspect of slaughterhouses that uh, you know large, high speed slaughter really puts people in this uh, kind of mindset, or did you find this? you know, in, in, in large and small, did you were you able to get a good sample of that, or how did you handle, um, you know, what kinds of slaughterhouses, what kind of facilities you were looking at? Well, it, based on our data, it, it seems like the larger slaughter, the communities with the larger slaughterhouses have the, um, the greater incidence of, of these types of violent crimes mm-hmm. compared to those with the, with the smaller ones. So it seems like there's probably something about this industrialized production that might um, that might be implicated in all of this because it, it, with the smaller levels of slaughterhouse employment in the communities, we didn't really see uh, the the same level of effect. One thing I, I should mention is that because of the um, the aggregate level of our data, we were looking at um, employment rates and crime rates at the level of the county, uh, we can't really draw conclusions um, at the, the individual level. So what is going on specifically in these communities that's causing these increases in crime? So um, in the future, I'd like to do uh, further research to examine this and see it, what it is about the industrialized slaughterhouse production that might be uh, related to these crime increases, such as perhaps differences in um, types of jobs within slaughterhouses, because they're so the division of labor is so um, so high in these jobs. Some people are, you know, at, at the front end of, of the disassembly line, and that might have different consequences for them that the, than those at the at the end of it who are just doing the packaging. Mm-hmm. Well, are you are you uh Offering a, a caveat about any causality, or are you saying, for all we know, it just there may be some kind of correlation that we haven't nailed down that uh, a slaughterhouse happens to attract certain kinds of people to uh, to come and, and work there who are more prone to violent crime, or is it so? Were you able to 
kind of find any thread that says, yeah, it's, they go in there and when they come out, that's, uh, that's when you're seeing violent crime. Yeah, our study can't, uh, can't pinpoint that to, to explain whether or not it's, you know, if there's something about the slaughterhouse that might have a, a negative effect on people or if it might draw people. Although the literature seems to indicate um, studies that have interviewed slaughterhouse workers more generally about their work um, seems to indicate that these workers are simply workers who need work and uh, are willing to to undertake jobs that others might not necessarily be interested in because because they need the uh, the income. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we definitely do need further research because. What, what our study was able to do was to kind of uh, take out all those other possible explanatory factors and say, okay, these don't really explain what's going on in these communities. And when we look at slaughter, animal slaughtering compared to these other industries, um, there, there are significant differences there. So it seems like there's something unique about the slaughterhouses, but we need further research to figure out exactly um, what this, mechanism might be okay well are you uh are you embarking on research like that or have you moved on to another area now or is there anything you can tell us about uh where your uh your areas of study are heading now uh well currently i'm i'm pursuing uh grants to see if i can get some money to undertake these um the subsequent research in the animal slaughtering uh, in the meantime, I'm working on a project right now examining uh, new programs to shelter the pets of abused women on the grounds of uh, uh, battered women's shelters. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm working on that project right now, but hoping in the future that I'll, I'll be able to secure some grant funding to, uh, to do a follow-up study on the, the slaughterhouse research. Okay, great. And uh, we should just mentioned this that uh you are in fact a vegetarian right yes i am and i've uh, been a vegetarian for i think about 18 years now and do you uh, are, how much has that basically informed you know the direction that you went or was it something that as you first started getting interested in this area this uh, burgeoning green criminology type of area did that actually inform your vegetarianism? Well, I I became a vegetarian um, unrela- at the time. It was unrelated to my academic pursuits. I think I was I was still in high school at that time, and um, and just was doing some reading out of out of interest. And um, it was actually Peter Singer's Animal Liberation that uh, that did it for me. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, to be honest, I really didn't see a connection at the time between uh, my academic pursuits and um, and vegetarianism until later on in my career was when I started to, um, to to draw some connections and found other um, other academics who were pursuing interesting um, interesting research and I started to kind of make those connections for myself so. And the, um, I, I suppose it was related to my interest in, in the slaughterhouse research because the, the reason I, I became interested in, in the animal slaughtering part of it was um, 
merely a, a coincidence, I suppose, because I was doing some reading. I was interested in feeding operations or factory farms. And, um, and then I just happened to come across these studies talking about the, uh, the changes in communities where slaughterhouses had opened. So that, uh, that's what sparked my interest in, um, in going in that direction. Okay. Well, it's great to uh, get into that study, and I hope uh, we'll see more uh, coming out of the University of Windsor and out of uh, your, your office there. And, uh, you know, vegetarians and animal advocates certainly owe you uh, a big thanks for undertaking this. And uh, I want to also thank you for taking time out to join us on VegCast. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Okay, great. Thanks. Okay, thank you.
Okay, that is a VegCast fave, Yvonne Smith, the traveling vegetarian now pursuing her second or however many, her additional career as a pop singer, and that's Be Here Now. You can find more information about her and her songs uh, in our show notes. We'll have that up there, but first we must turn our attention to the science. Our science fact for VegCast 83 is one that provides a little bit of a complement to the main study in our main interview uh, with Amy Fitzgerald. Uh, this is one which we will call Empathy, Intelligence, and the Vegetarian Brain after Virginia Messina's write-up uh, on it in the Vegan Examiner. Uh, this is not a study that got a lot of mainstream media attention, so I don't have a mainstream news article to use that headline. Uh, I do have the abstract here. The study was published in PLOS1, Public Library of Science. Uh, it is a peer-reviewed study, and, of course, the abstract is uh, a little scientific-y in its language. Uh, so we will just start with the very first uh, the opening paragraph of that by the study's authors, we hypothesize that vegetarians and vegans who made their feeding choice for ethical reasons might show brain responses to conditions of suffering involving humans or animals different from omnivores. We recruited 20 omnivore subjects, 19 vegetarians, and 21 vegans. And uh, we're going to switch over now to uh, Virginia Messina's writer because she basically summarizes it in language that we can all understand. And here's how she puts it. According to a new study by a group of European researchers, people who don't eat meat are more empathetic to the suffering of others. The investigators conducted a series of tests aimed at measuring empathy. On a written test, the Empathy Quotient Questionnaire, the vegetarians and vegans scored significantly higher than the omnivores. There were also striking differences in neural activity when the subjects viewed images of human suffering and animal suffering. Using brain scans, the researchers showed that empathy-related areas of the brain were more active among the vegetarians and vegans in comparison to the meat eaters as they viewed the images depicting both human and animal suffering. Now, as she points out in this Vegan Examiner post, this is a small study. It's very preliminary, and we don't want to overblow the findings uh, and say that all vegetarians are more empathetic than all non-vegetarians. But uh, it is worth pointing out that uh, there is now some evidence that and unsurprisingly, people who have chosen to uh, pattern their lives and their lifestyle around their compassion for others and their uh, sense of ethics actually have uh, a little more of an ability to relate, to put themselves in the place of other people and other animals. And we'll basically leave it at that. I'm not going to belabor that, but uh, we'll hope for more studies in this area, but for now that's enough of a data point to make it this episode's Science Fact. Okay, VegCast 83 is just about out the door, but before we go, wanted to remind you that this upcoming Saturday, June 19th, or Sunday, June 20th, rain date, is the Veggie Fest, an annual care event. 
Uh, you can find out about this at careforanimals.org. That's the number four. VeggieFest, it's out in uh, Hoops Park in Westchester outside of Philadelphia. If you're anywhere west of Philadelphia, uh, well, obviously not in California, but if you're anywhere around the area, Please uh, be sure to check it out. They're promising vegan food information, exhibitors, live music, games, and great company. And we will, of course, have that information in our show notes as well in case uh, it's already breezed by you that fast that you can't keep track of it. We'll have that there, but we're going to get out of here. Okay, that is going to do it for VegCast 83. I would like to thank our sponsor, LightLife, for sponsoring VegCast. LightLife makes eating veggie deliciously easy. Join us and be pro-veggie. And, of course, thanks also to Dr. Amy Fitzgerald for joining us to talk about green criminology and slaughterhouses. And thanks, of course, to Yvonne Smith for keeping us on the cutting edge on her latest and greatest tunes. We'll be listening for more from her. And thank you for subscribing and or listening to VegCast. We'll be coming right back at you shortly, but until that time, get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.